0: Greetings, this is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres and I'm your host. Our special guest today is Sherry Bennett. Sherry is the medical cannabis educator and founder and managing director of Let's Talk Cannabis. She has an extensive background in the family services industry and has referred countless individuals to to the professional resources they need to help manage the logistics of life. Known for her expertise and advocacy, Sherry is a business professional who values collaboration, communication, education, and compassion. Her focus is, and has always been, to provide unparalleled education and support for her clients. Sherry's caregiving expertise, coupled with her own lived experience, inspired her to launch Bayview Concierge in 2012 to make life and living easier for seniors and their families, and that's a really cool mission in life. Bayview Concierge, the sister company of Let's Talk Cannabis, is an associate member of the Canadian Consortium for an Investigation of Cannabinoids. Can, quote, Cannabino, Cannabis is proven to be an effective treatment for a myriad of health conditions, including mental health firm, excuse me, including mental health. Five years ago, Sherry began a journey of discovery that would change her life and business. Through her work with clients in the medical cannabis sector, she became focused on her latest initiative, Let's Talk Cannabis, designed to educate and present new research on medical cannabis treatment. Recently, Sherry was recognized as Entrepreneur of the Year for King Chamber of Commerce, Commerce excuse me, in Ontario, Canada, citing her innovation and education on medical cannabis for professionals in the community at large. Let's talk cannabis offers online education in the form of webinars webinars excuse me and panel discussions as well as in-person expert medical cannabis forums for business owners executives healthcare professionals human resource professionals and legal experts to dispel the myths as they begin to navigate through the issues associated with medical cannabis treatment these forums feature premier thought leaders delivering evidence-based education on the safety and benefits of cannabis medicine. So from Toronto, Canada, how are you doing today, Sherry?
1: I'm really well. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me here, Gil. I'm so delighted. I I I love talking about this subject. And, and you know, as you know, um, for it's just been in recent history the last hundred years or so, that we have been prohibited from talking about cannabis, this plant medicine that has been uh, around since uh, before the Ming dynasty. So cannabis has a safety factor of plus 6,000 years. And and many people people just don't know that frankly, uh, because they are afraid for one reason or another to talk about it, or they have been prohibited from doing so. Right. So I want to start by telling you that I grew up in a medical family. I'm not a doctor. Uh, However, my dad was a doctor and my grandmother was a nurse. I got a couple of sisters who are nurses and um, sisters-in-law who are also uh, frontline uh, personal support care workers and helping people, uh, well, I say manage the logistics of life because we know as a family how hard it is to help somebody when when there's an illness, right? So you see, so my dad was a doctor, like a a general practitioner who uh, got uh, the HIV virus, uh, you know, as a result of his occupation. And so the HIV virus causes the disease AIDS. Mm -hmm. So my dad, um, you know, a pillar of the community at the time, he was chief of staff, um, at our local hospital, um, d- like died of AIDS basically, and in those days nobody would really come near us. So my sisters and brothers and I had to gather together and do all the palliative care for years, um, and um, and it was a real, it was a very traumatic situation at the time because we couldn't get nursing care and we couldn't get doctors to come, and uh, so we did all everything by ourselves, right? And at the time I had two small babies. This was a long time ago, 30 years ago. And um, so my sisters and brothers did did most of the work. But we learned, at the time it was very, very traumatic, but we learned what a privilege it was to be able to help our dad, you know, um, uh, and give him the care he needed. Um, And then um, my grandmother was alive at the time too. And she helped us too at the time she died of uh, of uh, natural causes and and cancer, and then my mother developed bone cancer, so we did the palliative care for her too. So I'm just going to go delve right into the reason why I got into this business. Because actually, hold
0: on, share, share. Let me uh, before you before you go into that real quick. I heard you uh, say it was a real privilege to care for your yeah. father, and that caught my ear because yeah. when people. I think when most people encounter a family member or a friend, but usually a family member because your family members are usually the ones that come to your help first,
1: Right. It's usually,
0: you're right? You know, that's kind of the, the, generally speaking, it's considered, I think most people think of it as a stressor
1: yeah. and
0: they, they think of it as one more huge thing on their plate of things that they have to do. Yeah. And I wanna ask you, about how you came to the perspective of it being a privilege to care for your father.
1: It, it wasn't until after years later, really, because it was it was highly traumatic, and and I'm I'm not a nurse, but I had to learn. We had to learn how to, you know, give morphine injections and and change diapers, frankly, and do really um, like work that that typically doctors and nurses do. And, and then we had to deal with the fear and the stigma at the time.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's yeah. a big one. That was, yeah, the fear what, kind and of, the, what decade are we talking about here?
1: But he was diagnosed in 1987. Uh,
0: so right he when died. he was hitting in the mainstream. Yeah,
1: yeah. And in those days in, in our community, there were other doctors and nurses who got AIDS, but they lied. They said they had something like hepatitis because they didn't want um, the, the, the backlash from the stigma because it was really at a time where people were um, uh, burning down houses of people that had AIDS and people would, uh, it was just really, um, really a hard time. And I remember too, now if we're talking about uh, Christianity and churches, I remember at the time um, after my dad died, my mother had a hard time finding a funeral home that would accept his body
0: that's tough
1: yeah so um, it was our church at the time my parents were my dad particularly was a, a religious deeply religious man and it was our church actually that found the the funeral home that uh would took care of the arrangements and you know funny enough no one would come near us and uh there were reporters at the time wanting to write stories about it and um in the end there were plus 750 people came to his funeral
0: all right so, that's so, a big funeral that's a that's a big turnout 750 people yeah. for
1: anyway, in the anyway, 80s. so so uh, we had a lot of experience doing that but it was highly traumatic and and what we saw and what we um experienced was something that not very many families um you know usually loved ones go into a hospital and they die quietly under a blanket or being cared for by others but um we were able to um, uh, be with our, our mom and dad and and grandmother, frankly, different times over a period of seven years, and help them ease out of life, listening to their very favorite music and surrounded by their kids, you know, and and the dog, the family dog at the time. But uh, anyway, uh, in in um, I'm looking back. I was thinking a lot about this the other day because. Uh, I had we had a really great childhood. I mean, we had a lot of, of, of privilege and and as a young kid, I loved going to church. I loved going to church and uh, particularly around Easter. And Easter to me has always been, you know a time about new beginnings. And I used to love getting dressed up and going to church But it was mostly because of the music, mostly because I loved the music and the hymns. And both my parents were professional opera singers. Even though my dad was a doctor in the community, my mother and father, I think they met in church or in some choir or something. I'm not sure how that happened, but they were brilliant, very, very talented uh, opera singers. And they had a a, a true, true love of music. And of course, uh, growing up, and, and we would go to church every, every single Sunday until we were teenagers. And then frankly, yeah, I, I myself haven't gone, didn't go for a long time. I started going back actually about seven years ago uh, because I, I love to sing. I love to sing in the choir. I love to listen to the music. And for me, that's like, those are, um, those are the nice memories I have of, uh, of church. But anyway, so, so yeah, here comes the bad part. So I had, um, a diagnosis. I was like, uh, it's really hard to do that sort of work, like to help loved ones basically die yeah. and pain, you know, pain free. Um, and, and so I had a lot of nightmares and, and, uh, sleep disruption and I had two small children at the time and I was exhausted frankly and I had a marriage that was breaking down beforehand before this ever happened Mm -hmm. so yeah time for the marriage to end and and so I I was struggling and I was severely not just grief stricken but I was really really depressed and afraid that my my mood and my depression would rub off on my children at the time, my kids were uh, uh, four and two, and I, I was—I really needed to get myself back on track again. And um, I had to, and I had to figure a way to find work or meaningful work because I couldn't—I couldn't work at the time. Looking after—we were—we t- were taking shifts. My—I'm—I'm I'm so fortunate. I'm the oldest of six. And so my siblings and I would just take shifts to care for our parents. And you know how this, this is the saying, how it takes a village to raise children? Yeah. Well, it sure takes a village to help somebody at the end of their life or help somebody get through a terminal illness, right?
0: I so, agree. I definitely. So one thing, uh, yeah. my I, I'm familiar with what you're talking about. My mother was a nurse. She was an RN, and she worked in oncology. And she went from oncology to hospice care. Yeah. And so you're you're absolutely right. And uh, it's it's very intense. And just the visual of seeing a loved one oh. in in fading or failing health, you know, I think a lot of people see that every day, but when you actually have to when you haven't and you have to go through it, it is intense. And because oh, yeah. that's a loved one you, you, you're remembering all the things that, that you could do physically for okay. themselves okay. and they're in need and that's why when you said it was a privilege and i got what you're saying is like it wasn't until you look back years later and it's like you know what that was a privilege it hurt like hell going through it but it was, oh, yeah. it, was a, it was an amazing privilege and that caught my ear so i didn't mean to decide to track, but mm-hmm. you usually I, I don't hear that a lot by a, a lot of people that are going through that kind of trauma it's like so that alone tells me that yeah. it tells me something about you and your mission
1: well, um, yeah. So, so I'm back to the part where I got to fix. I'm to like. I really needed to find out how I can help myself. And so, uh, through a trusted source, that was a social worker friend of mine. She referred me to this doctor, a medical doctor, who whose specialty was in hypnosis and stress management. Okay. So I go to this guy, and just to make a long story short, uh, he drugged me and raped me.
0: Oh, So no.
1: sexually assaulted me. Um, and so um, I, at the time, I was in shock, further shock, and I decided, this guy's a doctor. Doctors are meant to do no harm here. So I, was, I told my husband at the time, he said, don't bother you know, holding this guy accountable because it's just your word against his and, and, you know, no one's going to believe you. And I decided I have to, for the sake of other women, other vulnerable people, that I had to uh, file a complaint with the College of Physicians and Surgeons here, which is the governing body for doctors here in Ontario. Okay. So I did. And the lawyer at the time, I got the best sexual assault lawyer I could imagine or you could imagine at the time. And she said, you know, it might take two years, two, three years. I said, I I I feel I have to do this. So no one else goes through the same thing. And so it it, it took 10 years. So I was in court 10 years, at least on and off for 10 years, uh, with in a civil proceeding, a civil court and um, parallel proceedings with the Uh, College of Physicians and Surgeons and the civil proceeding was horrifying and having to retestify over and over and over and I went to this doctor and what we talked about in our appointments were the horrendous things that I saw and had to do while doing palliative care for my, um, my parents and so having to relive that over and over again, in front of a, you know, a panel of other doctors. So in the end, he the doctor lost his license, but um, he got it back again. And doctors, I don't know if you know, but they you get all their legal fees paid for by their um, insurance or their associations. And we, uh, witnesses or victims, um, we had to incur, I had to incur at least half a million dollars in my own I, I, I just got wiped out financially, basically, wow. um, to hold this guy accountable. So, yeah, he had his license revoked, and then um, he appealed, and he got his license back again. So um, I thought, I, I I can't believe, I was in shock again. So my I did have a diagnosis of PTSD before this event, but having to go through the... Tribunals at the College of Physicians and Surgeons, over and over and over again, and retestify—that was sort of um, adding salt to the wound. Exactly. So I had a diagnosis of like cumulative, complex post-traumatic stress, something very, very, uh, yeah, very, uh, very long. So again, I was in a state where I had to uh, figure out how. What am I going to do now? So I, I I was divorced. I think a year before the trial ended, and this was in 2005. I said, "Okay, what the hell am I going to do now?" I I said. So I decided to volunteer at women's shelters and mm-hmm. um, hospices. Hospices, because I, I i done. I didn't have any training in having to care, but I thought, well, I've done it. I want to somehow volunteer and learn how to help others and believe it or not I worked in a funeral home so I became um they hired me as a grief and I started volunteering and then they hired me as a grief and bereavement counselor okay believe it or not so I, I I really had a lot of of interaction with human beings that had been through horrendous horrendous uh, events and and I it brought me to my knees. It, you know, when when you work for a funeral home, you really learn about um, the power of empathy and and the power of of listening to people when they're in their darkest moments of grief and and shock and trauma. So, I did that for a while because I had to figure out what, you know, how am I going to move forward? And my whole focus was to raise happy, responsible children, which I did at the same time. But at the same time, I knew I had to get myself sorted out um, in order to do that. So, how I cope is I read and I study and I studied everything there was to know about trauma and, and, and the survivor personality how do people survive you know i met people i met women mostly women that had you know lost children due to opioid overdoses accidentally oh, yeah. i had yeah i had met women who had lost their children in in murder situations in third world countries they were they were in different uh, from different parts of the world So I, again, got uh, very privy to hearing other people's stories of survival of how they did. And and so over time, I had really good doctors help me help me get um, sorted out again, back together again. Um, uh, My medical doctor and I had a really, really good. I still do a trauma psychologist and a naturopathic doctor and doctor. and a beautiful, beautiful Irish doctor that was a general practitioner, but more of a spiritual uh, healer. So all these four practitioners on different situations over a certain period of time told me, you know, Sherry, you've been doing this for your lifetime. You've been helping this one and helping women. I've been helping young, other young women that were raped at an early age, get the right care, get, get sorted out to the right doctors, the right psychologists. And, and my doctor said, you know, why don't you start this, started as a business? So I, I started Baby Concierge. And so what I've been doing since 2012 is I help, I just organize, like people call me, it's like a referral agency and if families need um, um, uh, personal support care workers for their mother or if they need nursing care or if they need um, drives to medical appointments. So I organize all that or downsizing. If sometimes people need to um, pack and move, you know, or seniors want to downsize from their family home to a retirement living. So I basically, uh, a res- uh, like a, a referral uh, agency. That's what baby concierge is.
0: So that's really cool because that stuff seniors, seniors are preyed upon big time and big time. Th- seniors are very much preyed upon. I mean, I, when I, I, I we moved away from Virginia, and now we're we're several like more like a day's drive away from my mother. So I haven't seen her. But when I was visiting her, I haven't seen her in a while. But uh, and I mean like maybe less than a year, less than a year. But my point, actually, no, yeah, it was uh, April. <laughs> but my, oh. my point is that even I can tell by the number of phone calls she gets and the people that are calling her that they're using seeing things that senior citizens need to prey upon them. And that's why I think what you're doing to help senior citizens is amazing because the family aspect of it, some families will help and some families just can't or won't. It's just, you know, I'm not judging anything. I'm just saying that sometimes family doesn't pull through for somebody who's in need and to provide a service because I'm guessing you, you, you do, you're, you're talking about their daily life, like the logistics of life, like yeah. appointments, medications, yeah. all mm-hmm. these things that all these seniors, they start to pile up. And oh,
1: yeah.
0: when, they're, when their health is starting to decline, the energy and the ability to keep up with that stuff starts to decline as well. And that's what I think is what was really amazing about what you're doing to help people, share.
1: Even just managing the appointments, yes. you know, and getting the seniors from the parking lot into the hospital for the yes. tests or into the doctor's office. And sometimes sitting with somebody as they're waiting for a diagnosis or sitting with people, um, I had to, like in my days, I've organized funerals for people and helped them. And uh, yeah, there's so many things that people don't understand uh, what's needed. Even after funerals. Now, in this this pandemic situation, we haven't been going to funerals in person anymore, which is is off is terrible. But there's so many. Um, that's why I call them the logistics of life. So many tasks that need to be taken care of that most people don't know about, right? And
0: right. Most stuff that the seniors stuff that the seniors have been taking care of themselves, yeah. but when they start to when when their daily life, the quality of life starts to go down or something, their health starts to fail, those things get left off. The, like those things get forgotten until somebody says, oh, this is a couple months past due or whatever, you know? Yeah.
1: So um, so I, I had the great pleasure of driving around um, an elder, a woman in her uh, late 80s who is a retired um, minister. Oh, wow. And- at McGill University, so she was she was referred to me by the minister at my church, at the local church, and she was amazing, she just recently passed away, but we had amazing conversations in the car. I would be driving her about, she was the only, I only had about two or three clients myself, and then I would refer others out, but some of my clients were, I have, um, uh, you know, a couple of ladies who were blind, and we had the most amazing deep conversations Uh, and this but this particular one i'll never forget her and a retired minister or she was the pastor at mcgill university for some time Um, but we were talking about uh life and cannabis and she was telling me what it was like in the 70s with the professors and everything and because i was telling her i had other i had at least six other Ladies in their 70s and 80s asking me to get them legal access to to cannabis, um, medical cannabis.
0: Oh, it froze up for a second. And
1: I had been studying it myself. I was saying,
0: I... sorry. Okay, it froze so, up for a so second. I was saying that I had. A you, 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 couple of 70, 80-year-old year ladies were asking you for access to legal cannabis for their health.
1: Yeah, for, for their arthritis because they heard or they... So one of their friends said it was good for their arthritis pain. And I had already been starting to get into the research because I wanted to to find out for myself, you know, how it could help me. And um, so I did. I got them uh, legal access to it. And it was uh, not easy then. This was six years ago. Okay. And um, but they had significant results. But they were afraid again. You know, again, and some of them, we called, uh, we call them snowbirds. They, so
0: snowbirds. Well, you said they were afraid again. What were they afraid of? Like just right, or the
1: stigma? Yeah, the stigma. Oh, what, what, uh, what will the neighbors think? And what if the, um, the medicine is like, what if it's on my credit Oh, so, okay. They
0: didn't, the credit they didn't credit want to, bill,
1: you know, just,
0: the, the associations and of, because of they the were stigma taught. to it and them being where they're at.
1: Right. Because in of are the- in
0: life, 70, 80 years old. Nobody wants to have family members turn their back on them because they're using a medication. Right. But perhaps if it was a pill, an opioid pill or something like that, a narcotic, then it'd be accepted. And that and that's where they I, I get that. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So they were afraid. And because of the stigma, the stigma is still alive and well, unfortunately. And you know, we were all fed um, misinformation and 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 frankly, when you look about the history of, of prohibition, it is, it's, it's horrifying. Um, and, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But <laughs> So these ladies, they had significant results. And I found, um, I asked a couple of them, a couple of friends of mine to come to a conference. My very first conference I went to was in 2016 at the science center. So a couple of them came with me to this big, uh, you know, trade show at, uh, about medical cannabis. And then I started, we did enough research, I started taking it myself 2016, 2015 or 2016. And there's no going back. For me, I take it every single day with significant results. So I don't know if you know, but people like me who live with the diagnosis of PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, that comes with nightmares and flashbacks and anxiety off the Richter scale. It's really, really hard to function when you know your sleep is disrupted and you're always in a state of fight or flight mode. So cannabis really helped to minimize that. You know, since then I, I choose to have it in my system every single day to minimize these, these symptoms. And um, frankly, it helps me be f- like focused and more productive. And uh, I, I, I remember when I was a teenager and I smoked a joint, I think it was age 17, 18, I'm not sure. And I remember then it helped me focus and, and calm down. I mean, calm the anxious part of my brain. And, and then okay, as yeah. an adult, I didn't start I didn't take it again until I was like maybe after I was married and then I stopped like just raising my children because I was raised you know the like the cannabis where marijuana was the devil weed, and it could lead to you know other other drugs which in fact is the opposite cannabis is not a gateway drug we know now cannabis is an exit drug and it helps to um to minimize our opioid consumption and to help people get off alcohol and get off heroin and cocaine. And I know if my dad was alive right now, I know I have the evidence now, I could prove it to him. And I think he'd be really proud. My mother would say like, oh, what are the neighbors gonna think? Like she's gonna <laughs> be very embarrassed and you know, hiding the whole thing, but I, I'm pretty sure my dad would be really proud now if he was alive today because we got compelling evidence now. I got compelling evidence, you know, that says that opioids kill and we need them. Yes, we need, um, uh, I don't know what you call them there, but here Tylenol-3s and Percocets and, and even fentanyl, you know, if, we're, if we have an operation or kidney stones, we need these drugs in small doses for yeah, yeah. short term. But for long-term chronic pain, or certain mental health conditions such as PTSD, cannabis, cannabis can be a lifesaver, and uh, and I've said this over and over again. Uh, unlike opioid medications, cannabis does not come with the risk of life-threatening addiction or lethal overdose. Right.
0: Right, and I agree but, with you. I agree with you, and that's what's. So. That's what's amazing. It's like you, you look at these two things opioid the metrics are measured like the, what they're tracking are overdoses and deaths
1: yeah
0: and there's a study out there about addiction to cannabis and I don't know if uh, there's one that I see several uh like the Journal of American Medical Association or JAMA I think I can't remember what the exact mm-hmm. acronym yeah. stands for they seem to uh all refer to this one study that says roughly about nine percent of all people that try cannabis will become maybe may be addicted to it. And I'm not saying that it can't happen. I'm just saying that the metrics themselves, when you look at those two metrics, you're looking at, okay, you're showing me this dependence rate. And right now it says tobacco 32%. Heroin twenty three, cocaine seventeen, alcohol fifteen percent, caffeine nine percent, cannabis nine percent. So we're look, we're talking about the same study, Sherry,
1: exactly right, and this comes that must from, be the standard for the world. Yes, that's great, right. and that comes from the National Institute on Drug Abuse, right? But um, if you if you understand, like I've been just obsessed with the research, and because it has helped me so much, and and for those of us that live with um, PTSD many of us die by suicide because we can't handle the nightmares and the flashbacks and a lot of well-meaning doctors give us what do they do they give us antidepressants and sleeping pills and tranquilizers now all these things could come with suicidal ideation the side effects of the legal prescribed drugs right that blows my
0: mind that blows my mind and and I, they advertise it on television. I don't understand. It's like, wow, that would be one of the things that I would stay away from because it could actually make me do what it is that I'm trying to prevent. That's right. That's, That's that, right. That, that, those right. two, those, that that negative side effect doesn't even, when I hear it, I'm like, wait, it's supposed to help people with depression but it might actually depress them so badly that they would actually kill themselves or start thinking about it more seriously because of the medication and that i don't even It's like, how does that even get approved i don't even understand i'm not even yeah you know what i mean
1: yeah well things are changing now because um like like doctors are starting to to realize that this is a this the opioid the mental health crisis is a pandemic Far worse than any kind of virus right now we have, and and so, uh, and and people are getting more anxious and more depressed and more afraid. And these well-meaning doctors are prescribing still antidepressants, which are are very good in some situations. And we need these drugs, yes, we do, but in small doses and and perhaps in conjunction with cannabis as well. Cannabis can help, you know, improve the efficacy of some of these drugs and uh, but for sure opioids short term yes if, if I break my arm um, I'm going to need opioids I'm going to need fentanyl or something or if I have to have an operation uh, you know but for chronic pain and long-term pain no cannabis I believe should be the frontline treatment before these highly addictive um, opioids or, or add cannabis to your, your, your treatment protocol
0: I agree. I agree. Cause I think, I think the, uh, so I had, a, I had bilateral and glenal surgery this past summer. Oh. Like, yeah. And the discomfort from the anesthesia and the pain pills was more uncomfortable than the actual surgical areas. Yeah. And that, and that was like, okay. And at the time, I mean, I, we had just moved to Florida. So I, I got my medical card and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to come off the, uh, I'm going to come off off the the pills because the gastrointestinal discomfort was just too much. It was just, it was, it was more painful, literally. I mean, that's what's kind of like, wow, that's interesting. And I get what you're saying. My, so I'll finish this point. I'll finish this point before I get into the next one. So uh, when I did that, my, my, my GI system started to right itself and my pain was a lot more manageable because I didn't have the additional pain of gastro GI and discomfort from the pain pills. And um, now on the other end of that, my mother has severe back pain from botched back surgeries and the CBD helped her, but not, not on the, not to the intensity level that her, that the the medic, the pain pills do. Right. And so she gave it a try and, and, you know, I'm not sure if she's still doing it now, but uh, I get what you're saying. And, and I'm not saying all these prescription bills are bad. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really in agreement with you. It's let's add this to
1: yeah.
0: the, the, the catalog of options that we can help people with their life.
1: Right. I don't tell anybody to stop taking your antidepressants or stop taking your pain meds. No, I say add in cannabis and make sure you're under doctor supervision, but um. No, what we know now is uh, that every single human being has an endocannabinoid system, as mm-hmm. you've talked about before. Yeah. Right? So this endocannabinoid system was just discovered in 1988. 1988. However, it's not yet taught in med school. So um, many doctors are missing crucial, crucial information about basic human physiology and this is all because of prohibition Mm -hmm. and this is really horrifying and i learned um i love this this i love visual diagrams and if anybody wants to learn a little bit about the endocannabinoid system there's a little blog i wrote on my website but here what's the the name of the website
0: hey share real quick what's the name of the website
1: Uh, my website is letstalkcannabis.ca
0: letstalkcannabis.ca
1: So actually the URL is ltc.edu.ca.
0: Or ltc. I just want to repeat that to make sure our listeners can get that. ltc.edu.ca. Is that right? Without the
1: dot, the first dot. So it's ltc.edu.ca.
0: There you go. We got it.
1: <laughs> so, um, so when you learn that the endocannabinoid system is the largest modulating system in the whole human body, so it is responsible. Like we have our respiratory system, our digestive system, our endocrine system, our renal system, nervous system, reproductive system, cardiovascular system, our multi. What do you call it? Multi. Um, muscular, skeletal system and our immune system. The endocannabinoid system balances all of these systems. So we have um, our bodies, our human bodies, make our own endogenous cannabis. And these, like, means, endogenous meaning naturally occurring Mm -hmm. cannabis. They call them endocannabinoids. Right. So it makes sense that all diseases are um, either one's endocannabinoid system is um, is under function or, or there's a deficiency in one's endocannabinoid system. And that's why this plant medicine that has been on Earth for um, millions of years um, works so well with different kinds of, of human conditions and diseases. Um, the uh, the, the, the there's amazing it's a really good time to, look, to be alive right now
0: it is it's amazing there's,
1: Yeah. so many doctors now that are learning unfortunately they're learning on their own um and they're learning from their patients because you can't really you cannot discount the voices of the patients you know and right i don't i don't have to sell this plant the plant sells itself once people get the right dosage and they find their own sweet spot, their own uh, you know, uh, whatever they however they pr- prefer to consume it, it's it's life-changing. It can be life-changing. And it can be life-saving too, in cases where people are severely depressed to the point of suicide, or yeah, so no, I uh, agree. And,
0: you know, I, I agree, and I give a hearty amen, Sherry. I give a hearty amen because I yeah. agree. And um so yeah. I, I so, so as a as a Christian, I do believe in creationism. I, I'm I don't believe in evolution. And there's a number of reasons for that. But uh, with that, I have to believe that this plant was made intentionally by our Maker. And it doesn't make sense to, to me to say when Jesus, when the scripture says, I've made all things clean. And it's not what you put into your body that defiles you. It's actually what comes out of you. In other words, the same things we say and the things we do, that's what defile us in scripture. And uh, knowing that this thing, this plant has so many benefits, not just to the human body, but also material, material benefits in terms of industrial right. benefits and all types of, a lot of different benefits from this plant. It The prohibition of it has been intentional and it's it's pretty ugly you know it, it's pretty ugly and with the incarceration rates of of people and um it's amazing to see to be alive right now i agree with you it's amazing to be alive right now where this where we're actually walking in it and it's it's we're not walking in it with the fear that a lot of other people had just last decade right even right. just 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 the last decade right. We don't have to live with that fear, and that's that's pretty cool. I mean, I find that an amazing uh, thing.
1: Well, when I first um, started doing, I, I started uh, about five years ago, holding uh, seminars and panel discussions at um, at a local uh, golf and country club and a local theater, a local theater in Richmond Hill, Ontario, because I was trying to elevate the stigma. So yeah. I would have I'd have doctors and lawyers and HR professionals come on the panel with me and and patients you know uh, talk about how it has helped them and um, I had a lot of pushback and a lot of a lot of people wouldn't come to my seminars because it had the word cannabis in it
0: oh, I can so I remember that.
1: driving driving around with my friend um, who's the uh, the minister and she was saying she pointed me to Genesis one verse twenty nine. She said, um, I, "I don't have my Bible here handy, uh, but if you right. have one Andy, Genesis." You go, you go ahead
0: and talk. You go ahead and talk, and I'll look it up.
1: Yeah, like um, Genesis one twenty nine. It doesn't say specifically cannabis, but if I can find mine, I, I put a highlight in it.
0: Go ahead, Sherry. Uh, I'm looking it up. Go ahead and tell me what your friend saw said to you.
1: Uh, just that, like this plant has been on the earth for forever, and, and we're to be using this as food. And in medicine. Um, so I, I will find it if you want. I got it right here. You ready? Yeah, Genesis um, 129,
0: yeah. Here's one, Genesis 129. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you, it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air and to every everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I have given every green herb for food. And it was so I'm going to keep going and read this last one because it wraps up the chapter and it really puts a it puts the point to it. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So that's that's definitely one of the scriptures that I point to when I when I'm like, really, this plant was made intentionally by our maker for purposes that for us to have use of it because it's to a benefit to us so sorry go ahead
1: yeah and and so before a prohibition I mean it was used as medicine um you know like for forever for thousands of years and um and like I said unfortunately it got business big business got in the way and 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 my I have um several friends of mine when i was trying to pass out my brochures for my uh seminars for instance one one black woman friend of mine said sherry i can't take your brochure you know i could get thrown in jail i i, I have so many bad horrifying fine instances in my family and friends you can you can do this as a white woman as a privileged white woman but i can't talk about that and then I fully understood when I got to understand the history It's just horrifying. So, uh, it, yeah. And it was just only in the 1930s that, that we were prohibited from using this plant medicine because it got in the way of, um, I believe it was used as fiber before it was used as to be for uniforms for guys in the, uh, in the, uh, armed forces, uh, used, uh, to make rope sails on ships. It was, uh, you know, and
0: they had a lot of industrial purposes. Hemp, hemp I mean, <laughs> yeah, hemp's been these plants. It's got a rich history and around the world. That's for sure.
1: And I really don't care to use the word marijuana anymore because it was used. Um, because to make the word sound foreign.
0: I know. I time, can relate.
1: Yeah. At the time, uh, this guy in the States, the guy who was responsible is called Harry Anslinger. And he was the head of the Drug Enforcement Agency. Unfortunately, he was an extreme uh, racist. Who, who? What happened when when they they demonized cannabis and put out all this non-scientific racial propaganda, like reefer madness and things like that? Most families who were ruined—black families and Hispanic families—and who. Uh, horrible horrible trauma and uh, uh, and despair was was created because of this 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 prohibition and here in Canada um, our very first female judge was responsible for the prohibition of uh, cannabis too was one of the ones too but when you think of all the families were ruined by this, simple possession of this herb it's just it's just horrifying so the damage done by prohibition has been comprehensive so the solution i believe has to be just as comprehensive so i want um and it's going to be hard to reverse the 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 damaging laws so i want to have doctors a seat at the table for whoever is going to reverse these these horrible, racist laws. I guess I want it to happen sooner than later. I want it to happen in my lifetime. and I'm not sure that will, but I I believe that I I wanted to create a forum, an educational forum, and and give people a voice and, and give people a platform to tell their stories and and I think part of, of the healing will take place when we give them a safe place to tell their stories. And, and it's it just, it just awful, it's, it's overwhelming. But I try to focus on the goodness of the plant and the, the wonderful, compassionate people in this industry, because there are many, there are many helping others, many cannabis growers that are helping people that are very, very ill. And, um, and, and trying to eradicate the stigma because it's here. Now, in my world, I ha- there's a lot of seniors that I know that are taking it anyway. They're getting it from their grandchildren, and they're getting it from their kids. Here are the laws in Canada. Well, we want to protect the children. Well, I know a lot of uh, my senior friends are getting it from their grandchildren or children because they don't want their privacy compromised or they're still afraid of the stigma but
0: are they uh, baby boomers I say, are they are they baby, what they say they're probably like in the baby boomers
1: well yeah that, that would be me too sorry i'm a grandmother by the way and i am talking well, you, look fantastic, you, fantastic you look fantastic you look fantastic thank you thank you so much um but it's because i feel like i feel very content in my life i feel very i feel very calm and very grateful that i found this plant medicine for me and how i'm able to help others and help others um find their their uh their, their sweet spot or their their
0: correct dosage that matters cuz that 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 yeah. really that that's a big deal because improving quality of life yeah. sounds like a nice to have kind of thing until the quality of your life yeah. goes down yeah. and then when you're, the quality of your life goes down yeah people's patience for healing is always not always patient, right? It's like we, we, when we get knocked down, we want to come back and we want to come back right now. It's like, no, I, I this is not right. There, there's a, that dis ease. There's, it's not, I'm not saying a cold is disease, but there's a, your, your, your comfort has not say your comfort, but your quality of life, your yeah. health has taken a hit. And usually a lot of people don't, don't understand that until they actually go through it, until they actually experience something. Mm-hmm. Then, then there's a uh, there's 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 an intensity to to uh, that that is that changes, and uh, and quality of life is important, especially yeah. for seniors, because as seniors get you know, as as people mature and, and 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 grow in this life, unfortunately, I see more people with weekly pill planners. And there's something for morning, noon, and night. And
1: uh,
0: that seems to be like almost like a meal, right? It's like this stuff is it's and it's and those things are for the, the intent is to improve their quality of life. And you know, I'm, I'm complete agreement with you. It's like, my golly, you know, it's this plant is natural. There's a lot of people with experiential testimony that it has benefited their life. And now that governments are taking the restrictions off of research, research is really starting to bloom in a lot of areas and that the, nobody could see it, but Sherry was showing me when she was reading the uh, the, uh, the systems in the uh, in the human body, the endocannabinoid touches all of them. I think, I, I'm sorry, don't quote me on that, but they if it doesn't touch all of them, it touches a lot of them and that's pretty impressive and it's not something that alcohol can do or tobacco i'm not saying that they don't have any benefits to the body too because i still drink i don't i don't smoke tobacco but i don't do cigars or anything but it is amazing this plant and the fact that the entourage effect of it really isn't ignited unless you put fire to it's still amazing to me i'm like wow, that is really cool, Lord. That is really cool that that is the way that that thing actually, you got to put a fire to it to get that entourage unlocked. And I think that, I, I just find that to be really cool. And I think yeah, that what and- you're doing for seniors and, and like to go back to the senior aspect of it, what you're doing, that stigma is really, that stigma is real. I mean, nobody wants to, as seniors get older, Typically, for most people, I think less people come around, they get out less and less people come around. And no, many people will not want to risk adding an an additional thing to their life that would cause even fewer people to come around. Mm -hmm. And this is the stigma that I'm talking about, right? Because as seniors get older, company is what a lot of them do want and just like you said even if you're just listening to music or watching a program or just reading or something it's yeah. just having that person next to you
1: yes that's and exactly
0: that, right and and you know the biggest way.
1: The, the, the the biggest cause of death is isolation frankly frankly in senior populations isolation is
0: yeah.
1: really it's it's horrible but most diseases are caused by inflammation right yes. And so a lot of seniors have um, uh, arthritis and cancer.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, cannabis helps so much. The CBD and and you need THC in it too. I wouldn't tell people to be afraid of THC. Um, If you know what you're doing and you take it in micro doses, we need the combination of CBD and THC. And, And I tell people just because one has THC in their system does not mean that one is impaired, right? So I have THC in my system every single day for well, over five years, and uh, and and it truly is. Um, it is like I. It's it's very very helpful for pain uh, pain management, and you know what these doctors, well-meaning doctors, give seniors is their pain pills, their sleeping pills, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, and then pills to help with the constipation that the pain pills. Exactly, can, right. And pills to help with the, the side effects from the other medications. So it's layers and layers of pills and drugs on top of drugs. And so a lot of them are driving around on heart medications and sleeping a, pills. And a lot of people shouldn't, you know, uh, so. With, uh, a you know, patch, it, with
0: a fentanyl patch on their shoulder or something. And yeah, and yeah. No, I agree with you, I agree with you. And. The same thing could be said, like, if, if you took a, a, a urine or blood test of somebody who's on opioids, it'll stay yeah. in their system. Oh, yeah. It'll stay in their system. And, and and so, go ahead. So
1: one has to be very careful with THC, too, because THC can be, as you know, intoxicating. And it can and you can have some unpleasant side effects, but you can't die from it. You cannot die from it. So they they say THC was found to be 20 times stronger than aspirin and two times stronger than hydrocortisone at reducing inflammation. And and like I said, most diseases are caused by inflammation. And and yes, we shouldn't have maybe cannabis when our brains are developing under the age of 21, let's say. But for older brains, like people with Alzheimer's now, they're finding that it's, 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 really helpful for older brains so i'm really excited to learn more about that cannabis and uh, the treatment of alzheimer's uh, and dementia
0: so, so i heard you talk about go ahead, go ahead did you want to say something sherry
1: no i'm just saying there's so many you know so many uh benefits uh of cannabis it's just it's it's so exciting it's so overwhelming and I find that once once people try, that doesn't, it's not like, you know, you take a pill and you're fine the next day. No, sometimes it takes three weeks to find the exact right dose that is good for you because we're all completely different, right? Yeah. So each human being, we're all the same in, in the fact that we all have fingerprints, but not one of our fingerprints are the same, right? I agree. So... so- what I take um, as my cannabis medicine may put you on the floor or what <laughs> you take may not be... Um, may
0: not may, even phase you, not, Sherry. May not even phase you. Be like, Miguel, you're wasted already. <laughs> I
1: don't know. Uh, but so uh, what I'm saying is we're all so unique. Absolutely. And when we learn to use cannabis as... Uh, I, I use it as preventative too. Like uh, CBD, if you're taken daily, can... Can can be you know thought of as a vitamin, and uh, once we understand that, and just the quality of life is just it's miraculous actually, it's absolutely miraculous. But it takes a bit of time. It takes three weeks or so, and and I did a lot of experimenting on myself, um, and I learned what it feels like to have too much THC, and it can be very very unpleasant. And you could feel like you're having a heart attack or your anxiety could go up, but you have to know in the back of your head, drink a lot of water, you know, get some sleep, try to have a nap and know that you're going to, you know, it's just your, your mind playing tricks with you. So you're going to calm down. Um, There's so many um, cautions too, that I would, I, I tell people too, because I've tried to grow it myself too. And there's nothing wrong with that if you know how to do it, but it's best to get your cannabis medicine or cannabis from a regulated source, from a source that you can that has a certificate of analysis that can tell you what the ter- the terpene pro- profile is, for instance, and the the ratio of CBD and THC, and also to protect, um, you know, there's there's risk of of getting, um, you know, pesticide, not pesticide poisoning, but if you don't know what you're doing when you're yeah. growing
0: it. I mean, if if it, they're growing it, be, it with chemicals that that you yeah. may be in use, like ingesting yeah. in some way.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, and I agree with you. I think, and yeah. that's the part about the regulation that I do like, where it's like, you know what? I'm glad these states are getting on board. I think uh, I live in Florida and uh, there was talk about putting a cap on the THC. And there's a politician who said, no, we need to put a cap on a THC just like we do on alcohol. And it's kind of like, well, a lot of states just legalize moonshine. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's kind of like, if we we in America can legalize moonshine, which has been like, you know, one of those underground black market beverages, then certainly we can regulate cannabis to the point. And, and the one thing I've been doing lately is edibles actually. Yeah. Right. Those wouldn't have been really, I've been enjoying the edibles a lot lately. I think yes. you, it's like you can pick, I get the bars. I'm trying, they're okay. always out of cookies and brownies when I get there because yeah. I'd love to try some cookies and brownies, but you know, two squares, I'm going to get 20 milligrams of THC and some CBD, depending on the, the, the strain that's in there. Right. And I actually am enjoying the edibles quite a bit. Yes, yes.
1: And then once again, we, it depends on how our bodies metabolize it. So so for me, at age 60, it may take me an hour and a half for my uh, body to metabolize it. So I take these gel caps, like tiny little gel caps, for instance. Okay. Um, but my 85-year-old friend, it could take her four hours to feel the effects. So it depends. And women metabolize cannabis differently than men do too. So there's a number of different factors, and that's why it's always good to let your doctor know, you know, if you're if you're taking uh, cannabis, and uh, and it's best if you have doctor supervision. But a lot of them don't have time, and a lot of them don't have the training really, um, or, or the understanding of the endocannabinoid system yet. But I just want, I just was looking through all my my piles of notes from the last five years, and I found that uh, here we have the U.S. government has the patent on uh, cannabinoids uh, for anti, uh, like they they found cannabinoids have been found to have antioxidant properties. This newfound property makes cannabinoids useful in the treatment and prophylaxis of wide variety of oxidation-associated diseases. Such as ischemic, age-related, inflammatory, and autoimmune diseases.
0: Mm. So autoimmune is one that struck my ear because that's what a lot of people are coming down with.
1: So U.S. government owns the patents way back since 20, 2001. Oh wow! And if we look, yeah, and if we look at the, um, I look at the, the World Intell- Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, it's called, um, Canadian patents. Like there's thousands, of them, thousands of them now. So the governments know that this is medicine, and um, and they they obviously are knowing more than what <laughs> they're telling the public right now. So I just hope that whoever the lawmakers are, and that those in uh, will will start to listen to medical professionals and listen to uh, the patients. Apparently, during prohibition in the 1930s, the American Medical Association was clear saying that medica- cannabis is medicine, but the policymakers uh disregarded their their findings. So I think um, in the interest of of justice and in the interest of humanity, you know, uh, we need this 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 plant medicine to be legalized across the board. Here in Canada it is. Um, uh, in the United States, it is as you know in certain states, but it needs to be like decriminalized and legalized across the board in order to pave the way for the the, the research. There's a lot of research now, but the floodgates will open once it's um, once the US uh, regular or decriminalizes it and uh, legalizes it across the
0: the nation. So, I, I agree with you. I think I think. it's it's strange to see the u.s where it's at now and all these other countries doing it before the u.s to me that's strange i I do find it odd um i do find it odd i do find it odd it's kind of strange to me in that aspect but oh well i do i am enjoying it right now so i cannot complain i'm in florida and and they have legalized medical cannabis and and I'm thankful because with this, everything you're talking about, when you're yeah. talking about the THC and the ratios, that's actually, mm-hmm. I have, I have a strain that is, is exactly that. It's about one-to-one. One. Mm-hmm. And if I want more THC, I add a strain that doesn't have as much CBD to it and that's it. Right. And, right. and the guidance that I get from the dispensary is, is really good. And uh, I, I can't complain about that. It's I, the regulations are reasonable and i'm okay with that and that's that's Mm. that's where i see the government needing to do it's like you're you're, the government's there to protect the people from abuse yes and and things that come with it you know and uh so having regulations for cannabis i'm i'm good with because just like you said nobody wants to be smoking chemical that was used on the plant sprayed on the plant and all of a sudden you're ingesting in some way shape or form and uh Mm. So I'm I'm I'm. It is it is a really wild time to be alive, Sherry. I, I know you're loving it, and so am it, I.
1: It really is, and and we're learning so much about the like cannabis is like five hundred different drugs. I mean, it has like different molecules and terpenes and uh, compounds in it, and um, uh, they're finding now like I am looking at the terpene profile of my strains. So I'm looking at strains with uh, limonene, like smell like lemon, lemon yeah. sort of thing, because that really helps with depression. And now I'm learning for those of us with PTSD, we should perhaps avoid strains that have myrcine um, in them or pineine. So these are things, little, little things that I'm, I'm learning about now and I'm uh, trying out for myself. I don't I don't smoke it anymore, but I use I vaporize it. Use my little Vax, my Pax my Pax3 vaporizer here because the uh, the vapor is 95% smoke and carcinogen free. So if we're smoking a cannabis cigarette or a joint, there's a lot of um, still the same um, carcinogens in it. It's not it's it's a much healthier approach than smoking tobacco but still um, you get the burned plant matter in your lungs. And that's not something I tried to a couple of months ago and I just couldn't anymore. I can't, I can't smoke anymore. Um, And, but vaporizing it is a lot. It's so it's easier. Like I said, 95% smoke and carcinogen free. And and then with vaporized cannabis, you feel the effects with uh, within minutes of the first inhalation. Right. So with edibles, sometimes it takes sixty to ninety minutes to feel the effects. Yes. So if one has a migraine, for instance, or uh, you know, if the vaporizing cannabis is um, is um, the preferred way to consume it. But yeah, edibles are big. We're here in Canada um, by by the year twenty thirty five. We're going to have twenty five percent of our population over the age of sixty five seniors. Oh wow! So in Canada, I think we. We don't have very many people as you do in the U.S., but in Canada, we have a population of 38 million people. I think that's the size of California. <laughs> so whatever 25% of 38 million, that's a lot of seniors. Seniors are the biggest yeah. demographic now. That's
0: a quarter of the population.
1: Canada. Yeah. And four years ago, I found this company in Israel. Some of the best science comes out of Israel, but a company called, I think it's called Site or something, S-Y-Q-E developing pre-measured doses of cannabis flower to be inhaled for use in hospitals and long-term care facilities. And uh, so that's really exciting. And I think um, the minute they let cannabis into retirement residences, uh, it's gonna be a happy day, I tell you. (laughs) Right now, unfortunately, uh, many seniors in retirement residence are being, you know, sedated. And and they sit around all day and and uh, yeah it's it's a it's a sad it's a sad sight to see really so to to add cannabis into it and perhaps have community greenhouses where they can grow their own medicine would be uh, like an ideal life I'm thinking
0: that would be you know so I agree I think I think gardening. Yeah, You know, I, I, I can't grow anything in Florida. They don't, they don't allow you to grow in Florida. So that oh. kind of sucks. Yeah. There's no floor. There's no growing unless you're a producer and you're selling oh. to a dispensaries or something oh. like that. Um, So you, individuals cannot, I know that they're trying to change that. And I think that would be great. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's, if the pills actually make you a little bit more cranky or cause you to sleep more than you're awake, yeah. You're gonna throw your life off because you're sleeping during the day and staying awake during the night. Eventually, you're gonna stay awake because you're you're already you've already rested. Mm-hmm. And uh, there there are concepts where like people are getting into businesses for senior living, like where they're providing a healthcare aspect, but also other things to it. You know, like like a senior home, but the, there's a there's a bit of a I don't think there's a name for it, but there's an approach to it that's a little bit different right now. And uh, some people are going into it with real estate and, and care. And when you said what you said about that, when they allow it into senior, senior care homes, I thought, wow, that would be an amazing addition to that, where seniors can get outside. And we were talking about people that are almost bedridden or people that need to like, either walk with a walker or go with a, go with a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Going outside makes a huge difference. It is a big deal. It's like that, that company that they have, and they're just like, oh, they can actually feel the wind. And the sun on their skin—that's the kind of simple pleasures we're talking about. That—that that some seniors aren't able to get. Those are the simple pleasures that—that that go a long way to improving somebody's quality of life. I'm not saying it's always that easy for somebody, but it can be something as simple as that. And
1: sure, yeah. to be start, in nature, yeah. yeah. And
0: and as you were talking about that, I was like, wow. I, I just I, I imagine I pictured this uh, facility that's got a garden seniors are there helping the garden yeah. harvesting the stuff you know so i'm saying it's like they're physically engaged
1: okay.
0: and that's the problem it's like if your ba- if your back aches while you're walking around what will ache even more if you sit and lay around more than you walk around right. and and that's something that uh, i always try to encourage people that i that i know and i'm fan friends and family with it's like hey I, you know I want to see you moving a bit more because laying around, I get it. The pain is intense and, and the discomfort is not pleasant, but it'll get worse. And you'll find yourself more sedentary if you don't get up and move around. So when you said that, I was like, wow, that'd be a great. And I'm sure there are some senior homes that that do the gardening aspect of it. But when you couple it with cannabis, it's not like yeah. you're growing tomatoes. I mean, home farm, garden right. growing tomatoes are delicious. They have the flavor. They got the flavor. The grocery store tomatoes kind of don't, you know, garden go- tomatoes. Oh, they may not look as good as the ones in the in the grocery store, but they are delicious. So when you add something like cannabis to that garden and you're like, yeah, and then we're going to harvest this and we're either going to make some cookies or some brownies out of this and we're mm-hmm. going to play board games, watch movies, whatever. We're going to we're going to have fellowship with this this is part of fellowship and that's that's and what community. i'm really driving at
1: exactly and community yes, yes. You know, and community and, and and i'm trying to work with local colleges and uh, get their nursing students and and their their uh, personal support care students and the social worker students interacting with the the seniors and i could see that like you know students learning about horticulture like there's so much there's so much goodness surrounding this plant you know and there's so much to learn about so I'm I'm my goal in the next decade is to um, work with colleges and universities to teach this and to uh, and and then you had a guy on the other day that I was fascinated by because I haven't heard about him he's from Toronto and he's writing children's books now. Oh, Brian Sakandi.
0: Brian Sakandi. yeah yeah was, so uh, I'm going to create cannabis. Out of- He does the careers cannabis but he also wrote that book yeah
1: yeah so that is so important you know it's so important for children to understand
0: that oh you froze up for a second
1: correct factual information about cannabis i was saying that i was saying that it's so important for uh, children to understand correct factual information about cannabis at a young age and some plants are for food and some plants are poisonous. And some plants you can't have or consume until your brain is well developed. And if if children are not taught the truth, they will learn to distrust their teachers and their parents and law enforcement. Right? That
0: so happens. That
1: does it's happen. So, it's so important. And I know now I've talked to hundreds of doctors, both both here in Canada and in the United States. And many of them treat um, children that have severe seizures, for instance, or or childhood cancer. God forbid. Or um, kids that have autism, ADHD. These kids are really helped by cannabis. And it is much less toxic. Than some of the other drugs that are are commonly prescribed. So there are pediatric pediatricians that are prescribing cannabis for children, but at the same time, kids really need to understand, and they, under, they need to understand not to get it um, from the street, you know, get it from um, a, a regulated source and under the supervision of your doctor.
0: And I mean, a lot of kids are on. AD, ADD, ADHD medications, all this stuff. And and
1: so I found that out too. At the same year, um, unfortunately, that I I had that uh, assault by the doctor, I was 38 at the time. And uh, I found out that I had ADHD, which made so much sense. Well, I was getting my children tested at the same time. And typically, these learning disabilities are hereditary. They come from generations. So people, they're hereditary. So I got my children tested and I found out I had it too. And what they do then is they prescribe Ritalin, Ritalin or Adderall. And so these are uh, mixed salts, amphetamines. So for a person with ADHD, they prescribe stimulants because it has an opposite effect. It settles down the brain. So that's what I found out. That's what cannabis does for me. And you find some teenagers that say, oh, it helps me study better. It helps me focus. And I believe that is true. But having said that, a lot of them are getting it from, you know, their neighbors or from sources that may not be um, ideal. So I I say that, that, yeah, it's probably not good for brains that are not developed. But if one has seizures or if, if one has ADHD or autism or some kind of learning problem, I say um, try to do a trial of uh, medical cannabis and you don't have to smoke it. I don't, I don't say smoke it. I say find ways to consume it, uh, either edibles or capsules or oil or tinctures. Yeah.
0: And, the um, there's a, a guest I had, Susie B from, she's in uh, the United Kingdom. She, uh, she has a son who's autistic and, she found patches. She was not able to get any food into her son's mouth because his, you know, yeah. the textures and the, everything that, that that boy ate were so specific that putting a capsule getting him to swallow a capsule was not an option. Then she found some patches and the, the delivery mechanisms are, are, are increasing. I know that they've, they think a lot of uh, companies have tried it with beverages, but they're finding that Last I saw, that the the THC kind of wanes the longer it stays in the container. Something about it's it's not maintaining its its full potency after in a in a container, something like that. But right. uh, they're they're working on it. These mechanisms are these the mechanisms for for getting it into your body are are yeah. broadening. That's for sure. And a lot of the CBD companies are are going they're they're going with hey this is this is fit for somebody who's physically active. Like this is, this will help you maintain your, your, your level of physical fitness and recovery. Cause that's what, that's what the, it's the recovery from fitness that really slows people down. It's like, that's why it hurts getting back into the gym because the recovery sucks. It hurts your body's aching. The muscles are sore. You feel it when you just walk. And a lot of these, some of these companies are saying, Hey, this can help with that. Oh
1: yes. Some people use it for before and after workout working out right yeah for sure
0: yeah They're i'll even like your- use it before i work out sometimes because yeah. Yeah. B- because it it i just i get a great workout i yeah. get a great work i really do i really get a great workout and it's not like um I'm, I'm uh it, it, it's it's there to focus and like you said it calms your mind you know what yeah. I mean? It really does, and there's there's so many things that we could be worrying about and controlling and trying to control, and thinking about, and it does help calm your mind. It really does,
1: and and, and be present and yes. be absolutely present in the situation, right? Instead of thinking of thousands See, of other things, you know?
0: like you're looking at some, like you're looking at somebody dead in the eye, but your mind is thinking about other things. Yeah, yeah. It does. It 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 can definitely help with that too. Yeah. So Sherry. Yes, I heard you say that you grew up in a Christian church. Yes. How is the, are you Are you still a Christian now?
1: I I believe I don't subscribe to any one religious point of view, but I I loved growing up in that church or in that environment because as a young kid they took us to um, a, a Jewish synagogue for field trips or uh, a mosque or we were we learned I was baptized in the Presbyterian Church, but we went to um, Catholic services and uh, Orthodox Catholics. So I, I got a I got a little blend of, I got a little bit of knowledge. I, I really think that uh, I, I, I can't subscribe to anyone, but I do believe in God and I believe in God moments. I, I look for God moments. I don't know how to describe it, but I, I just... I thank God every day and I say thank you for this even. I think this is just uh, such a uh, a treat for me to be able to talk with someone else who understands cannabinoids and cannabis, right? So yeah. uh, so I, I can't, that, yes, I would say I was baptized as a Christian. I don't go to church regularly. haven't been for about a year now because we can't sing. And I love going for the, I love to listen to the music. I love uh, the 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 pipe organ. I love being part of the choir. I was part of the choir, and just that's how I experienced church. And actually, uh, over the I started going back again like seven years ago or so. And I I was always medicated, but while I go to church medicated, I feel I am more present and able to absorb the teachings or or absorb the the environment and appreciate the music
0: so i have a similar i my response is very similar i find that i'm wanting to read more scripture i'm actually just wanting to read more scripture and i'm wanting to if i can't read it and i'm doing something then i'll put it on and listen to it and whether it's a, a audio bible or a message from a from somebody and uh and that is, and what I've like, it's been a short journey for me since I retired, right? So I haven't been doing this very long. But one thing I did notice was that when I reduce my scripture reading and think, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this cannabis to help me out right now, it actually doesn't help me out as much. And here's, and here's, this is my experience, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I've got a, and this, and I'll, I'll put it. Actually, let me save that for a little bit later. The scripture really reminds me of who I am in Christ. And without that, anything kind of can be, anything can turn into a crutch, right, A, a crutch. And that's where I did not want that to happen. And when I recognized that, I was like, you know what, I have not been reading scripture very much lately. And I started reading it out loud. Then my and I was like, you know what? I and the, you know, some people are like, oh, that sounds hokey, but I know there's a difference. There's a difference when I when when I when I ingest the word of God and I'm reading scripture, and I do it while I'm on cannabis too, while I'm mm-hmm. using cannabis. And my wife she doesn't smoke cannabis, but we will now sit down mm-hmm. together and read after I'm done smoking. And We'll, we'll read a couple chapters each out loud. And it's, and I, and this is what I was going to say is scripture is clear. There's a part where in the upper room on the, on the Passover, when Christ gives communion to the disciples, and he also washes their feet. And Peter's like, well, no way you're going to wash my feet. You are the Lord and I'm not. And he's like, if I don't wash your feet, you have no, you, you have no part with me. Then he says, then don't just wash my feet, wash my heads and my ha- wash my head and my hands. Yeah. And that's because it's, he knows that the thoughts that he will think will need to be cleansed, right? He's like, wash my head, Jesus, wash my head and wash my hands too. The things I say and the things I think and the things I do with my actions Clean those things, too, because then Jesus says you're already clean because you've been bathed. But as you walk life in this world, you're going to get dirty because it's a fallen world. Your feet are going to get dirty. And washing of the water with the word is a real thing. You know, I'm not going to try to break it down scientifically because I don't believe it can be broken down scientifically all the way. And that's where miracles come in, right? And that's what—that's how you understand that a miracle has happened is that the laws of nature have been broken. Yeah. And I'm not saying the laws of nature have been broken when I read scripture, but I am saying that it is definitely a washing of the water with the word. And then, so whether I use cannabis before or after that, it doesn't matter. But my point of saying all this is that and when I use cannabis, I don't feel like, oh, I can't go read scripture because of the the negative stigma that I have attached to it, right? That's what I'm getting at is like, if I live in that stigma, then I would actually stay away from scripture. Because I think that I'm doing something wrong and I shouldn't be doing this and how can I get close to that? But that's obviously not what I believe. I believe that it's here for us to use. And it actually makes me more thankful. It really does help me focus in on what's important and try to minimize the distractions. And when I'm raising, we got three boys, 10, 9, and 6. That's a daily, that's a daily occurrence, Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a daily occurrence because the oldest one you can tell. I wasn't sure. But there's there, there's that pull where a child, boy or girl, is maturing but they've been living the previous nine years as a, as a child. Right. And I can see that pull in him where it's like independence and autonomy is wanted, but so is behaving like a child that those things are still there. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting thing to be a parent to right now, because I'm like, wow, I can actually see it in him. I can see he's going through that and I want to help him right? And I want to help them and I want to be able to relate to that. And that is where cannabis has helped me from being military indoctrinated for over 20 years, slow that down and be able to relate to my son who's going through something that I went through and every single individual has gone through. And I think sometimes we're just kind of like, yeah, it sucked. Good luck, kid. You know, I think that's sometimes the approach that we take to it. And that's not what I want to do, because that's when I think, Kids really need the guidance, and um,
1: I think you're an excellent father. And I wish I had I wish I had known about uh, cannabis when I was raising my children too. I would have been a much better mother, much more uh, present, like Dad, much yeah, more present in their world, right? And and I I think much more understanding. So um, I just would like to add to I, I agree with everything you say. I wanted to add that when people are in a state of fear or high anxiety, or those of us that have PTSD, our brains are wounded. Our brains are dysregulated. So learning cannot take place until our brains settle down, right? So you can't learn anything, or if somebody was reading scriptures to me, there's no way I could, my brain could process that information like to teach, to try to teach somebody with a dysregulated brain um, anything, um, it's like trying to teach a homeless person gourmet cooking lessons. You know, it just, the information does not get absorbed. So I think the usage of medical cannabis for injured brains or for people with learning disabilities or high anxiety and depression is, it, it, it's the, um, it provides the the soil or the the framework, the ground, the framework, it provides the environment for the brain to understand uh, these lessons.
0: No, I, I, I agree. I, it, 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 for, so like when I said it, when I was going from 20 year plus years in the military to, to. Right. my so the other part I, I didn't i didn't uh tell you is that my wife and i are actually switching roles so i'm going to be the primary caregiver for our kids and do the podcast of course but uh she's she's started a, her own company so that really that's a big shift that's a big shift when when you for me it's been a big shift going from the military where it's kind of like you have clear rank structures and when orders are given they need to be followed and you know what i mean so i'm going from that world focus like most when you think about it our sons our son's 10 years old so i've been a parent for 10 years but when i'm at work more than i'm at home that is reversed right and that is that is the big difference that has been a huge difference so now I'm here more often, and, and I and it's cool when my kids they still love their mommy more than me, you know. Not not more than me, but you know what I mean. It's like, why isn't mommy taking us to school today? Well, what what's the matter, Daddy? Can't take <laughs> those. But that days, changes
1: you know? after children are ten. That changes. So so that that dynamic will change over time.
0: Well, that's good. And, then,
1: and they're going to need you more than ever when their hormones kick in when they become teenagers. They are going to need you and going to to be a strong role model. And yes. You know, children need discipline, but not necessarily punishment. Punishment and discipline are two different things,
0: right? Right, and I agree. um,
1: Yeah, so I think you're gonna, you are an amazing father. And just the fact that you're, you're open and uh, open to, uh, to be able to heal yourself at the same time. And um, because it's, it's, it's so important to be calm and level headed when raising children and it's not easy and there is no manual for it nobody tells us how to be a good parent nobody knows right nobody knows we don't have a manual we gotta just and each child is different every child is different and each one has something to teach us too so your brain is in the right place now to be the best father that's my arrogant opinion
0: no i no sherry i i that is encouraging because I've been noticing it too. It's kind of like, okay, I do need to, I do need to ratchet down because they're not understanding things the way I'm understanding them. You know what I mean? You get used to your 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 world of work and you get a general idea of 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 how to work in it, right? You have, you know, where, what how to operate in that in that world of work. And now my world of work is my boys in the house and stuff that that I hadn't normally been doing on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. And that has taken some time because on top of that, we moved, we, we had, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that we, that we, it was a very big summer and it has really ha- it has really helped. The cannabis has really helped. The reason why I was uh, earlier when I said, if I had the cannabis without the scripture, I think it'd still help, but it wouldn't help me as much. The f- scripture is really the foundation that, th- that, allows the cannabis for me to, to really be all that it can be in me, really. I mean, and, and that is, that's taking time, right? That does take time because we change. And I think it's, uh, it's kind of weird. It's, it's almost like in this life, it's almost like you got to stay the same. Like you hear people talking about, yep, I, I did this and, and I, and I stayed the same. I didn't change. I, I got to this level of success and I didn't stay and I, I, I didn't change. I, I, I stayed the same. And I get what they're trying to say, but it kind of doesn't make sense to me. It's kind of like change, you're changing every single day. Because the choices we hold on to or choose not to hold on to, the things that we do choose in this life, we're either changing or we're trying to remain the same while we're really changing. And I think that's harder, is to try to force ourselves to be the same. And I mean, and I say in the same, you know, there's a lot of things we could apply that to. And I think daily life, like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: daily life, daily routine, daily beliefs, daily, daily practices, daily beliefs. It's, and it's, you can apply this to the stigma. It's kind of like, well, you know what? Maybe the way I've been thinking about things has not been the best way for me to think. Why was I, why was I believing this about Christ? Why was I believing this about cannabis? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because of what I heard and what I read. And I've seen people uh, get hurt by people in churches. And I've seen people uh, use cannabis and go on other drugs and do all this stuff. There's always going to be abuses. Yeah. Guaranteed. This world is not, there's, we're not immune to abuses in this world. Right. But when we recognize that it's people doing something in the name of Christ or this plant. It's not Christ Himself or that plant itself. It's the person using that thing as a as a mechanism or an avenue for abuse. Yeah. That 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 stigma, and I think people like you and many others are helping that stigma wash away. I do. I really do because your story is pretty amazing, Sherry. It's a pretty amazing story.
1: I I also uh, like encourage you to teach your children and I'm sure you have already teach them critical thinking skills. Right. And, and, and not just to believe that, you know, uh, just because one person is this, you know, has this belief, they're, they're bad or one person that, you know, get them to, you know, it'll open up the world right for them. If they start to ask questions and if you're there to help them and, and, you know, a lot of the answers can be found in the scriptures, uh, if if one believes that. There may be a time in your children's lives where they will, like, uh, want to not go to church or not listen to that sort of thing. But you sort of have to love them through it, I guess, and let them find their own way. But if they have the best foundation, and how do they have the best foundation is to have the best father possible and the best mother possible and presence in their lives, right? So, so we're fortunate. And I
0: did, I did stop going to this church when I, as soon as I turned 18, I was yeah. like, yep, I stopped. And I can yeah. relate to that. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's an amazing, it's an amazing, it's an amazing yeah. life. It's an amazing life. And one thing that we're really talking about our, with our kids is choices. It's, it's, and, and, and I see adults doing it too. It's kind of like, wow. When we bring past hurts into our present, and it, they, there's no good reason to do it, right? It's kind of like there really isn't a good reason to ever do that. We, we'll, we'll make ourselves believe it, but that's where it's kind of like, okay, buddy, you're remembering all this stuff that you already passed, you're already over it, and you're bringing it into your future right now because that anger you're feeling right now wants you to be wants to be fed. It wants to be fed and it wants to grow and it wants to, to really just make you super mad. And cause that's what he's going through. And it's like sometimes when kids fight, you know, they'll be playing and all it takes is that one little look or that one little, that one little shot or that one little jab or that one little phrase. And they know how to really piss off their brother. And, and all of a sudden there's a fight, right? And uh, it's just amazing watching it. And, and understanding the impact that we do have as parents on our kids as they're growing. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say, oh yeah, everybody's secretly embarrassed of their kids. And I was kind of like, ah, I can relate to that because nobody wants, it's like, oh, 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 but if we're, that's really not what we're embarrassed about. We're actually probably really embarrassed about the way we raised them. Really, you know what I mean? Because they're mm-hmm. a reflection of, because a- I'm kind of like, oh, you know, Embarrassed of your kids—that's pretty. That's a pretty big. That's a pretty big claim. And I was like, you know what? I'm more like, oh my gosh. I do screw up. Nobody's perfect. I do screw up.
1: Nobody told us how to do it. And exactly. I, yeah.
0: Right. You said yourself, there's, no there's no There's no There's no owner's manual on this. There's no, no manual how to out. be
1: a parent, and and most people don't look at themselves and don't understand the the huge responsibility we have. I'm really glad that I have a granddaughter. I have a six-year-old granddaughter now. And I learned, you know, like, I, I'm sure I messed up with my children. But they're they managed. They're, they're okay. They're successful uh, professionals now. But my six-year-old granddaughter, I, I ask her questions. And she likes to tell me. Like, I like to listen to her. And, of course, I'm a grandmother, so I have the time. Parents, if parents took the time to listen to their kids, too, and say, what do you think? Or we have a choice we can do this over here or we can do this over here what do you think you know and ask them for their feedback and a lot of times parents don't because you got to do it this way you got to do it my way or the highway you know and and when you find out that they're human beings too um and and uh and get their input it's just fascinating sometimes you know the whole thing to to me that how i've survived is to keep the conversation going even if sometimes you know, like I would go through stages where my daughter wouldn't talk to me for a while and just keep keep it going. Keep it open. like Keep the conversations open. And for men, it's completely different. You have boys. Did you say you have two boys?
0: A three. You have, you I got three, three boys. boys. Yeah. OK.
1: So for boys, I'm just going to give you a little tip.
0: Please. It's really
1: hard to talk to boys like face to face. Like if you're sitting down to talk to them about anything, take them for a drive in the car and get them in the side. You know, talk to them just driving somewhere, drive out to the country, something. And side by side, like it just seems to be a more uh, less threatening way to talk. Sometimes when you're talking about anything, you're gonna teach them about the birds and the bees, or you're gonna talk to them about scriptures. Just just have them sit beside you in the car. So there's nowhere for them to go, really. They gotta just talk, right? And it just seems to be it works a lot better. When I learned that trick, right? oh my goodness, it's incredible. You know what my son would. Would would open up and tell me, and and uh, it's it's looking back. I'm just so grateful. I learned that really early because I got them talking. Like if they want they want to be heard too, because it's hard to be a kid, and especially in this day and age too, it's scary. And uh, so, and and I think it's so good for us to talk to them about other cultures and and other people on the planet, and not one culture can. Uh, hold the monopoly on suffering there's so many people that are suffering and we're so so very fortunate you know that that we we are living in this time and we can talk about it so i uh i don't know i'm just so so deeply grateful for you to that you're doing this thing because this is huge this is so important and you say you've only been doing it since march like talking about cannabis and yeah, sure. putting it out there. Since March. March 2021?
0: Yeah, this year, yeah. I you
1: know I say keep it going and, and keep it going. And let's have some uh, like civil discourse about this this subject, these hot topics. Amen. You know, religion and politics and cannabis they're all very, very sensitive to topics. Yeah. But keep it going. And we're at a time right now where we need civil discourse, civil discussions, you know, and and we may not believe everything that our neighbors think, uh, but that's okay. Like, let's let's learn from each other. And uh, because I see I see the whole the whole world is shifting now with with knowledge and, and with more people being able to have opportunities like this to talk. I, amen it
0: just, it's so important. amen amen sherry amen and i yeah. hope i hope i hope you get i hope you can get back to singing and if you even if you can't get back to singing at a church yeah. i i hope you're i hope you do it at home or wherever even if it's outside because yeah. i don't have a good voice but if i had a good voice and i couldn't use it i would be you know that would be that'd be hard or in
1: the car i like to go in the car all by myself that's weird
0: so i don't yeah I do that, but it, I can. I I still. I know I don't. I know I don't sound good. <laughs> like. Well, that might sound good. I don't know, but I've never been a singer, so I can just imagine that. Like, if you enjoy singing, it's like, man, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty. I I
1: I just enjoy music, and I enjoy um, like Handel's Messiah, for instance. That's fascinating piece of work. It's just it's 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 wonderful, and um, I and and hymns and, and songs at Christmas time and Easter. I just, it's just really, really nice nice to have. And other cultures have their, their, their special music too. But I think, uh, yeah, it's, it, it helps and it can be healing. And I'm all about trying to minimize suffering because life is hard. I mean, life is really difficult and, and we can't get through life alone. We, we need each other and we need advice from each other. <laughs> We need parenting advice, advice, you know, uh, about everything. So that's my uh, my my whole dream. You know what I did at Christmas time? It was around about um, Christmas. That's why I remember. I wrote to Oprah on the back end of, of uh, LinkedIn. Of course, she didn't write to me back. But I said, please, Oprah, if you're listening, let's talk cannabis. Let's talk cannabis. And so she didn't write me back. But that's my dream is to be able to help as many people in the shortest possible time. And and that's how, what you're doing. That's what sends shivers up my spine. What you're doing right now is helping me, you know, put my voice out there. And I want, and I heard at least four or five of your uh, other guests on your podcast, amazing human beings. And I learned something from every single conversation, right? And so that's how we, we get through this life is we 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 help each other through our own lived experience.
0: I'm definitely a firm believer that God works through people. He, he can definitely work through people and he puts people into each other's lives for a number yeah. of reasons, you know? It's 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 it's, it's cool. It's very there, cool. Thank you, Sherry. I appreciate there it. Are no Thank accidents. you very much. There
1: are no accidents in life. That is my belief, yeah. There and what no you're...
0: Accidents what you're doing for senior citizens is critical too, because just like you said, in Canada alone, a core of the population is going to be over the age of 65. And I know the baby boomer generation here in the States that they've been articles and news media outlets have been talking about, the uh, not the great resignation, (laughs) but when that, that large generation, the baby boomers exit the workforce yeah, one year at a time and they're going into their senior years. There's a lot of people that are going to be going through the things that we're talking about right now,
1: oh, yeah. literally. Right. Whether
0: it's in their health or their relationships. Right. And, and fear, and, that can come with a lot of fear, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, fear. And then I, I, I know I keep bringing us back to talk about trauma, but for people that have been highly traumatized many people in the baby boom generation were told to stuff it stuff it just just pull up your bootstraps and get on with it right. don't talk about your grief don't talk about the horrors in the war that you saw don't talk about anything but so when as people get older um they find that they can't remember what they had for breakfast like their short-term memory goes maybe but they remember what happens to them you know years and years ago And so we have to be very, very sensitive to that. And for those that are still alive that went through the Holocaust, they start to remember things, you know, uh, maybe that they haven't talked about, or people like um, my, uh, um, you know, I have some friends and uh, family members that were in the second world war. And they don't like, sometimes men just don't talk about the horrors that they've seen. But as they get older, their defense mechanisms
0: are not as they get tired. They get, yeah, they get it, it tired. Takes, it literally yeah. takes energy yeah. to like, yeah. l- it literally takes it. mental, emotional yeah. energy to yeah. keep that stuff in a bottle.
1: Yeah. It,
0: it's, it's a sick. work, it is a work because you're using your your thoughts to say, yeah. don't go there, don't yeah. go there, don't go there. And i just, and you said it just that you said, as you were saying, I was like, that's actually a really good way. As they get older, they get tired. And those things are going to come out. Those thoughts have, they've been, they've been keeping them to themselves or for so long that I do find like, so my, my mother-in-law and my, uh, my wife's stepfather moved down here. Also they're they have bad health and, and it's, it's great for us because we've never lived by family ever in in the 20 years that I was in the military. We never had family living like in the same city as us, but uh there was something that he said he was like and i was like that's wisdom that's wisdom he was like you know what joy is joy is when somebody knows everything about you and still loves you and he's yeah. talking about the context of it for, with with his his lord jesus but also his wife you know it's like the people that you, you want to be loved and and as these generations get older and just like you said it's kind of like ah uh, suck it up just suck it up and keep going. And It's kind of like, sometimes I get it. You know, when, when, when my kids are whining and I'm kind of like, look, buddy, you guys are hitting each other. You're yeah. both at fault. Let's just move past this. You know, that's not kind of, I'm not talking about the little small things I'm talking about when somebody's going through trauma or something that is going to lead to trauma or they're coming out of trauma, any, anywhere where they're, they're in need. And that company, that fellowship, being able to talk to somebody is a big deal. Yes. Right. And,
1: and and you don't have to talk to everybody, but if you had yes, one, exactly. yeah. one person that you trusted that could just sit with you in the pain and sit with you in the, in the suffering, and that, that's what they teach us to do in palliative care, for end-of-life care, just there's no words. You just be with them and sit with people and be a witness to their... To whatever they're going through or whatever they're healing from, right? And uh, it takes it's hard, it's really hard. But um,
0: <clears throat> but with, with so many gener- with so many people going into that right now in Canada and the US, yeah. it's going to be a big issue. You yeah. know what I mean? Families, children, and grandchildren are going to be dealing with it for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I think what you're doing with, by advocating for, sure. for cannabis for seniors, yeah. And reducing the stigma so that way the fear of that stigma being attached to them yeah. if they use something because they're just tired of the pills or just want to try something different because this stuff isn't working for them. I think yeah. that's I think that's a big mission, Sherry. That's a very big mission. Big and I wish mission. you the best. You'll be in my prayers for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you so much. I hope we're not done yet. Are we done yet already?
0: Well, it depends. I mean, I, I don't want to take too much of your time, but oh,
1: my is there something else
0: you want to talk about?
1: No, I would just really love to continue the conversation because the, the science is evolving rapidly. Um, the research uh, is just it's just it's incredible. And I really want as many people to hear your voice and the voice of all of those that you have on your show. So how can I help you? How can I put your your podcast maybe on my maybe on my platform maybe that's
0: what I'll do. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll definitely send you the web links for for this episode, and uh, yeah. and you can do it with with what you like, and uh, and we'll talk after we after we hit stop on this record button, and uh, these will definitely always be available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Breaker, Podcasts, and uh, Radio Public, and I do need to get them on Amazon Podcasts and Audible. And I am going to be looking to do that in That's the near so future. Yeah. We're going to be, I've got some things coming up that are going to be really fun. And, and I'm looking forward to it. It's uh it's going good. It's going good.
1: That's so great. So how did you get into it? How did you decide to do this?
0: The podcasting or Podcast. the yeah. Yeah. You know, um mm-hmm. when like I said, if if I can't just sit down and read, I do want to listen to something. And sometimes it's music and sometimes it's not music. Sometimes I want to hear a message, like whether it's a, a scriptural message or a content message that I'm something that I'm interested in. And uh, I like doing that. And for the last, uh, from 17 to 14, I commuted like between 30 and 45 minutes, depending on traffic, sometimes longer, of course, with accidents. So as I'm driving, I'm really listening to a lot of stuff. Yeah. So that that's when I really was like it was more it was the last 4 years i was doing that and uh i enjoy it you know i enjoy it i enjoy doing the podcasts i think i it, it's the idea is to help people right yeah. the idea is, is to to help somebody in some way and that's a cool thing to do and i'm at a point in my life where i can do it and i'm yeah. like why would i not want to do this if i'm at a point where I'm, and and i believe it's part of a i don't have a I have, um, I have a plan, Sherry. <laughs> I would say it's more, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think people have a vision for their life. I think everybody's got a vision for their life, and that vision sometimes changes, and, uh, but at the core of that vision, I think, depending on what it is, you know, I can't say I, I'll speak for myself only, right now. So my vision has changed as I've matured and lived life, and through experience and through research and education and training and and just all of it together, because I don't think you can, I don't think you can splice one thing off and be like, yep, that's the, that's the, uh, the end all be all that's the silver bullet. It's, it's a comprehensive thing. And, um, God's bless me, the ability to talk to people. I <laughs> I used to get made fun of because I would be out in public and I'd just say hi to so many people. They're like, Are you running for office or something? Are you gonna run for? I was like, Why are you saying hi to everybody? I was just like, Well, we made eye contact and I saw that that eye contact didn't just break away. I'm gonna say hey, how you doing? As we're passing by, because that's it. It's not like um, let's go get a coffee. You know, it's just it's just being friendly to people. And, Right. During this pandemic thing, a lot of people
1: are terrified or afraid to do
0: that. Well, they sometimes, yeah. And sometimes when you do talk to them, you, you see people light up and I light up when somebody says, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's just common courtesy. Right. It's common courtesy and common friendship and, and respect, really just respect. It's just like, hey, we're all we're human beings. I'm walking right by you. And you know, there's some people where you're just kind of like, yeah, they're, they, you know, we're all reading people every single day, right? Everybody, we're walking by, we're trying to read because that's what we do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I find it amazing that Scripture captures all people's, all mankind's failures, but we're still loved in a bruised reed, He will not break. So if He loves me like that and the, the, the new commandment is to love one another
1: and, and, and what you find talking to others from, from different uh, different parts of the world and different religions is that there's such so, we have so many things in common. Yeah. so many religions are based on the golden rule like do unto others as you would have them do unto you right? And uh, by talking with others, we learn about the common denominators and all the the things we share in common, right?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think you should next week. I'll be uh, actually this week. I'll have got a guest on who's uh, who's a Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and and that's that's the thing. It's kind of like we can all live together. We can all live together. Oh, and it can be really cool. It can be really cool.
1: Yeah, so you just reminded me because my very dear friend, Sarah Jamal, referred me to, uh, just introduced me to the Charter for Compassion. So it's a huge worldwide organization.
0: Charters Charter for Compassion. For Compassion. What, what is that about?
1: Sarah Jamal, and she happens to be a Muslim woman. And, uh, okay, a Muslim woman? People from all over the world. The Charter for Compassion we're we're we've just launched on thursday our uh york region chapter is where i live and uh i was introduced to this charter by my friend sarah but i learned that there are chapters all over the world to help us bind together as human beings to to create a world of compassion and a lot of people don't know what compassion is but i believe strongly that it's it's the opposite of compassion is segregation and dividing people into categories, right? Yeah. So so this is a huge, you just reminded me because you were talking about your next guest. Um, yeah, I want everybody to know about it. I'm gonna learn more about it. And they have courses where one can take compassionate integrity training. So I think learning skills of how to how to appreciate people from uh, different cultures and different uh, different religions, and 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 learning about ways we can find the common denominators, like the the things that we all share in common.
0: I dig it. I, I think I I mean I yeah I, I got all kinds of different friends from all kinds of different worldviews and all different yeah. kinds of walks of life, and yeah, they obviously know that I'm a Christian, and they obviously know that I use cannabis, and yeah. And uh, I think it can, I do believe we can live together and I think yeah. it'd be really cool at the same time. I think uh, yeah. there's of course the fallen aspect of this world where, you know, yeah. that I don't want to get, I, wanna, I don't want to, I'm not going to go down that road right now, but I do believe that if we, if we wanted to live together and respect people, we could choose to do so. We have mm-hmm. free will. We could okay. choose to do so. Okay. That's really, that's actually the better way of saying it. We could actually choose to do so. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, Sherry, I'm going to give you the last word. You want to say anything to to the listeners I before we sign off?
1: I think, I think you are an amazing father. And for all the other fathers out there, I think the best thing they can do to teach their children, teach their boys especially, is to love and respect women. They're women their sisters, their mothers, and this cannabis plant, where does the medicine come from? The female plant, the female plant, the, the part of the, the, the plant that produces the medicine, the, the, the buds come from the female cannabis plant. So please, you know, all you men out there, teach your, your sons to respect women. And And that's my final word. And Oprah, if you're listening, (laughs) Oprah, if you're listening out there, please, let's talk cannabis, you know? I think I'd love to see Oprah interview you, Miguel. That that would be good. That would be a good thing, you know? But we have to get more and more people talking about this because cannabis has been taken like in for hundreds of thousands of years by people in all religions and uh and it's just been hidden because we're afraid it, it, because it was prohibited for basically yeah, yeah.
0: The, the, the prohibition of the prohibition in the church yeah, it's a problem it's a problem.
1: yeah and, I don't and, want to get
0: down that road because I'm done oh. you know we could be we could do another hour on that and still not be doing yeah, it. <laughs>
1: that's exactly right but just but like, this is a great time to be alive like we said over and over again It's a great Yeah. Time
0: to so there's and something you said time. when you're talking about raise boys to respect girls and women i agree with you on that completely and that when you said that there's a scripture that came to mind and um oh okay so uh and i've heard it misused because they didn't read the scripture right after it They'll oh. say it's uh it's it's the apostle Paul he's writing and he says, uh, women or wives, um, subject yourselves to your husbands. And then I've I've actually heard that on Mother's Day, and then stop right there. And the pastor stopped right there on Mother's Day. There's like, oh my uh. gosh, you really did because here's the thing: the follow-on scripture is and husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. That means self-sacrificially so in other words we're supposed to respect each other and love each other all the way through it and that's the part that uh i think some denominations in in christianity have not paid enough attention to i think they should follow up with that and husbands love your wives as christ loves the church so this part the self-sacrificially part isn't in there But that is what he's saying. He's saying Christ gave himself up for the church. Husbands, you love your wives the same way. All right, Sherry. Thank you. concierge. Let's talk cannabis. Toronto, Canada. Sherry Bennett, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. Our special guest today, Sherry Bennett. I am your host, Miguel Torres. We'll see you next week. Love you all.
1: Thank you, Miguel.